It's time for mystery. Mystery Radio. Johnny Madero, Pier 23. You know, it doesn't pay to buy a fast car in San Francisco because most of the time you got to be in low gear. The town is laid out like the profile of a chorus line, and the only time it flattens out is where it runs into the bay. The waterfront goes from south of the ferry building out past the China docks. And on a clear day, you can see them batting baseballs over on Alcatraz. Pier 23 is over toward the left field sign. Not far from there, you'll find Johnny Madero's boat shop. My place. Oh, I rent boats, and I do anything else that means long odds and short hours. It's a way to make a living. And if you never save enough to get married, at least you got enough to leave town. Maybe I should have left town Monday afternoon. I bought a paper and... I read about a build-up on a heavyweight fight in L.A. I stopped in at Lofty's, and the boys said neither one of those fighters could beat an egg with a power drill. About three o'clock, I started down Post Street when I spotted a new auction house. It was small, with enough dough-changing hands to buy back Manhattan Island. Inside, it was packed, and up on a wooden stand, a bald-headed guy was selling everything but his suspenders. So I sat down and back, and I noticed a girl standing up against the wall. She was wearing dark green sunglasses... But the rest of her was just about as secret as a plow on the bathroom floor. Her hair was the color of half-past midnight, and her dress was made of the kind of goods you buy from spiders. After a while, she walked over to me. Right away, she started getting nervous, and when you look like her, you got a right to be. Mind if I sit down? They're your legs, lady. If you want to rest them, rest them. Thanks. You seem to like the view. Just temporary. I'm leaving. Will you get excited if I ask you to stay? Are you going to be proud if I do? Please, I want you to do me a favor. It won't take long. It'll be a small one. How small? They're going to auction off a black leather suitcase in a few minutes. It belongs to me. I must have it back. Can you speak the language? Do your own bidding, huh? I don't want someone to know I'm here. It's important. I'll pay you $50 to bid for me. You just hired me. Just start bidding and keep on bidding till you get that suitcase. I want it at any price. Now, ladies and gentlemen, here's a special item of interest. A black leather suitcase arrived yesterday. Contents unknown. It's handsome. It's beautiful. It's never been opened. Now, who's got sporting blood? The leather alone is worth at least 25 bucks. And it's heavy, it's heavy. It could be full of bricks and it could be full of gold. That's what makes it interesting. Now, who's going to start the bidding? Who's going to start it off with a big one? Two bucks. (laughs) Come on, come on. That's an insult. Two dollars? Who'll give 15? Ten bucks. Ten. Who'll give 30? Ten. Who'll give 30? Start pitching for our team, mister. Twenty-five bucks. Fifty. Fifty. Double it. A hundred. A hundred. The man in the gallery bids a hundred. You heard him, folks? One hundred. Who we'll give two? Two hundred. Two hundred. You got competition, lady. I got you. Keep doubling. Four hundred. Four hundred. That man in the gallery's got second vision. He knows what the suitcase is worth. The bid's four hundred. Who we'll give eight hundred? Four. Who we'll give eight? Eight hundred. Eight hundred. The man in front here says eight. Who we'll give a thousand? The bid's eight hundred. Who we'll give a thousand? Go ahead. Surprise the man. The OPA won't like this. You're working for me now. Make it a thousand. A thousand. A thousand. A man is back. It's a thousand dollars. Who gets fifteen hundred? A thousand. Who gets fifteen hundred? All right. A thousand once. A thousand twice. A thousand for the third and last time. 
The guy was a musician. Try some of the neighbors. I'll try you first. You're reaching, Warchick. I never even heard of the guy. Oh, that's a handicap, Madero. Maybe you just heard of his instrument, huh? All right, let me guess. It was a sack. Hey, you're very bright. An auctioneer helped me trace it down to you. Now, what's the pitch? A wild one, Warchick. A dame forced me to do her a favor. Uh-huh. I bet you force easy. She paid me to bid for the sex and then took a potter after I won it. You got an active memory. Does it include a name? Yeah. Claire Underwood. Run it down and see what it gets you. Oh, now, stop threatening me, Madero. I think that sex is tied in with the murder. Now, where is it? You're a little late. A torpedo named Larry Dunlap just walked in and sapped me for it. Yeah? How hard did he sap you, Madero? Hmm? There's a pool of blood behind your desk, and it doesn't look like yours. How'd it get there? I don't know, Warchick. Maybe somebody got lost and figured it was a blood bank. How do I know? Yeah. Maybe they thought it was a morgue, too. Left a body. Now look around. Yeah, do that. Look under the rug, too. Maybe the guy was thin. All right, Madero. So far, you're in the clear. But if there's blood, there must be a body close by. It'll show. When it does, we'll turn it in for yours. I'll remember. Like you remember that thousand bucks? Huh? The auction house, Madero. The thousand bucks you gave the joint got homesick and left. I'm broke, Warchick. Yeah? You'll have to stand on your head to pin this on me. Maybe I will. Maybe you're right. I forgot about your head. Once Warchick sticks to you, you might as well try to pull a mustard plaster off a throw rug. He stood there for a minute, blinking at the light, and he could see big pebbles of sweat standing out on his forehead. He took a handkerchief out of his pocket, and when it came down, it was wet enough to wash all the windows in lower Manhattan. After a while, he walked out. I watched him out of the window. I tried to figure how I got into this. It was like trying to trace back a conversation to see what words started it. There were lots of questions, and not too much time. Why was a saxophone on a grocer reeds worth all that dough? And who left his blood on my rug as a deposit? The girl must have known what was in the case, but why did she leave it with me? Oh, I couldn't make it add up, so I looked up the only good guy I know. A waterfront priest named Father Leahy. He knows most of the bad boys around the piers, and he's heard enough sins to start an art colony. Around Lofties, they got his name above the line. And that's a tough trick, because along the waterfront, an archangel couldn't get a cup of coffee without hucking a wing. I found him over at the parish house having dinner. Hello, Johnny. You want some wine? No, thanks, Father. That's one of the good things about this job. You get wine with your meals. Yeah, I know. Except you've got to watch out. I knew a guy in the seminary liked to eat between meals. Yeah, yeah. But the bishop fixed him. He sent him to a rich parish, and the guy had to throw away half his sermons. I'm in trouble, Father. Did you buy elevator shoes, or is that a bump on your head? Somebody knocked me down when I wasn't looking. Did you get the license number? It just felt like a truck. I got hit with a club. That's why I want you to help me, Father. Johnny, you misinterpret my mission in life. You need a policeman. I'm only a priest. Besides, I'm eating. Look, Father, homicide wants to tack a murder on me. There goes my appetite. Who's dead? Anybody I could have helped? His name was Charlie Riser. He was a musician. If he's going in the right direction, he may get some work. How did you meet him? I didn't. I never heard of the guy. It was all a surprise to me. Sounds more like a shock. I got a bum shake from the start, Father. A gal with a big purse promised to pay me something if I'd bid for a black suitcase at an auction. What was the matter with her? Laryngitis? She was trying to keep somebody from noticing her. But she must have weakened in the final stretch. What do you mean? I won the bid with a thousand bucks. But when I came back, the gal was gone. And you were left holding the bag. What was in it? A saxophone and a grocer reeds. You could buy the whole outfit with a five dollar down payment. What makes it worth a thousand? I don't know, Father. The sax belonged to Charlie Riser. A guy named Dunlap offered me two hundred bucks for it. All that money for a saxophone, and they wouldn't allow me forty bucks on that old organ. Dunlap slugged me when my back was turned and piled up a lead. Did the sax go for free? Somebody paid for it. When I woke up, there was a lot of blood on the floor. Yours? It was unclean. But I have an idea a body's going to turn up without it. 
You have nothing but murder on your mind, Johnny. Why don't you settle down with a good book? If Warcheck tags me, I'll have to borrow yours, Father. Right now, I need you to check on a few people for me. Sure, but I'll need a couple of names for them first. You know a lot of the combo boys, Father. Check up on Charlie Riser's friends, especially his women. And find out where Larry Dunlap fits in. Will you do it, Father? Yes, Johnny, I'll do it. But if I find out you're calling them wrong, I'll drop over to Warcheck's side. Thanks, Father. If you help me out of this, you're a good guy. You're an angel. But stop pushing me. I'm not that anxious yet. When I left Father Leahy, I ran over my leads. You could have counted them on one finger and you'd still have to cheat. The only guy worth looking up was the auctioneer on Eddy Street. Maybe that was all revenge. Why did he tell Warcheck that I took that thousand bucks back? Well, I figured I'd find out, so I grabbed a cab back to his store. When I got there, the joint was locked up, but a big neon sign blinked the name J.C. Cole. There was another light coming from the back, so I followed it down. Inside, Cole was working over his cash register tape. I didn't knock, and right away he started making funny noises in his throat. I noticed he was wearing a vest without a tie, and his sleeves were rolled up with big rubber bands. His elbows stuck out, and they were red and knotted up like a baby's face with cramps. And then he made his opening bid. It's a little late. Uh, what can I sell you, mister? A straight story. Huh? The one you told headquarters had too many frills. Hey, wait a minute. You're the same fellow who bought that suitcase. You got a good head, friend. How good is it on robbery? It was dark. I thought it was you, so I called the cops. You started fast, but you're fading in the stretch. A thousand bucks was going. I figured you took your money back. That's an early mistake. It wasn't my dough. Y- you sound like you're mad. Is that a gun in your pocket, then? If it makes you talk about that suitcase, I'll say yes. I don't know what you mean. I said you were taking your chances. A ton of bricks, a ton of gold. Remember, i got to make a living, you know. You don't have to crowd them in. What gives a sex a $1,000 price tag? I don't know, I tell you. I, I, I don't know what thing. Yeah, well, we'll go into politics later. I think you're lying. I, I, it, it was just another suitcase, an old leather suitcase with a sex inside. I, I just tell you, I, I don't know a thing. Yeah, keep it up, fella. You'll tell me everything that way. Now, how did you know there was a sex in that case if you never opened it? Well, I... Now, listen, mister, let's be friends. I got a little money. Let's be friends. Go on. I was just trying to get a little ahead. I got a wife and a kid, a big kid, so I switched saxophones. I took out the original sax with the reeds and put in an older one. What'd you do with the original? It was a pretty nice one, brand new, so, so, so I sold it to someone, uh, Legion Law, for $200. You're slowing down. Who's someone, a relative? He's a friend named Bud, uh, Bud Overbeck. He plays tennis sax at the Downbeat Club. That, that original was something special, huh? Yeah, you should have held out for a thousand bucks on both ends. Now, listen, fella, but, but Bud's a friend, a good friend on my wife's side. You won't hurt him, will you? I'll send you a pint if he believes. Uh, yeah, sure, sure. I'll save it. Anything else, huh? Yeah. Stop stuttering. You'll give that kid of yours a complex. When I opened the door, you could tell he wanted to shake me worse than a summer cold. I didn't like him any better, but he'd given me something solid to work on. So I got over to the club downbeat. It's a jazz cellar that warms over King Oliver at six bits a throw. Five-piece combo was writing a chorus slow and easy, and you knew the only notes they ever read were on IOUs. There were a dozen or so jazz fans huddled around the bandstand, and if you looked real close at their faces, you saw something that looked like pain. I asked the bartender who Overbeck was, and he pointed out the blonde kid with a face made of warm putty playing a black saxophone. I walked backstage to a small dressing room where the boys grabbed their second wind with a short one. When I opened the door, Claire Underwood stood there holding her breath. Oh, Johnny. You look angry. Put away those daggers, hmm? I will, baby. I'll guess that you killed Riser for a saxophone. Guess again. Why should I kill anyone for a sax? Tell me why it's worth a grand and I'll answer that one, too. All right, Johnny. I'm sentimental. 
Say, Charlie Reiser was my boyfriend, and I wanted to keep his sax as a memory. Must have been quite a memory, baby. You didn't meet Charlie. But I did meet Larry Dunlap. He wanted the sax, too. Why? How would I know, Johnny? Maybe he was taking lessons. They weren't that kind. He has too good a lip. So have I. Only I use it differently. All right, stop puckering, sweetheart. I want some sense now. Please, Johnny. If you leave now, I'll give you double what I owe you from the auction. That's not enough. Look, baby, count up your bills and tell me what a murder rap is worth, huh? You'll haggle over it later, Johnny. Just meet me at the Ajax Hotel, and I promise you, you'll get a better figure. Yeah. You gonna add some interest? Come here, and I'll show you what I mean. I'm not running a service. I need some answers. Come on, come on. I want some action. Come on. Use your arms, Johnny. You got too big a mouth, baby. Somebody's gonna close it on you. Show me, Johnny. All right. The music stopped, Johnny. What do you care? We're not dancing. Johnny, please, you're, you're squeezing me too tight. Yeah, it's a bad habit. Now tell me about that sax. Listen to me, Johnny. I told you I've got to see Overbeck first. I'll tell you everything later. Yeah, after you talk Overbeck out of his sax, huh? Yes. Is it a deal? You're too anxious to sign. I'll talk to Overbeck myself. All right, Johnny. I'll help you get him here quicker. Yeah, what are you going to do? Scream, Johnny. Scream. Listen. Louder, baby. You'll really need it in a minute. Help! 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 Hey, what's the matter? What's she screaming about, mister? She couldn't catch me. This man's drunk. He was trying to snatch my purse. Is that true, mister? Call a cop and find out. Yeah, I will. No, no. Please, uh, don't bother. Just get him out. Just throw him out, mister Overbeck. You heard the lady, mister? Do I get rough? Save your strength, Overbeck. You'll need it later. <laughs> Claire had a nice act, if you didn't mind playing straight man to a vulture. She draped herself on Overbeck's arm, and she looked as cool as a vacation in Maine. As I walked out, Overbeck was still showing his teeth, but it didn't matter, because you got the idea he wasn't strong enough to fight off a sneeze. Well, there wasn't much I could do except wait for Claire to show, but it started to drizzle, so I figured my best bet was her hotel. In the lobby, a rose-colored carpet with a touch of yellow jaundice led to the desk. The clerk told me she hadn't come in yet, but for five bucks he could tell I was a friend. He gave me her key. I went upstairs, and when I opened Claire's door, I knew something was wrong. A lot of towels were thrown all over the floor, and everything was gone from the closet but the mothballs. Claire had skipped, and before I could walk out, Dunlap walked in. One hand was in his pocket, and the other had enough tape to wrap up a mummy. And I got in the down? You're old enough, Dunlap. Make up your own mind. I have. Where's Claire? You're early. I think she's still busy. Give me a magazine. I'll wait. It'll be a long one. I'm not hanging around. Oh, the fun's just beginning. Sit down. Sit down. I guess I am tired. Yeah, this gun makes everybody drowsy. Now, what's your time with Claire? Nothing that's deep-rooted. Are you writing a column? Yeah, the obituary, and you're going to make the morning deadline. You're too cocky, Dunlap. Don't turn your back. I won't. Claire blew her chance. The best she could do was disarm. Yeah, you ruined my carpet. When they pass your cup around, I'll be generous. In the meantime, you're going to stick around until Claire brings that black saxophone. I hope she's got some food in the icebox. What do you mean? Well, if you're waiting for that sax, we're going to starve to death. Claire's not going to show. What makes you a prophet? A guy named Bud Overbeck. He had the sacks last, and Claire was working him over for it. I'll work you over for less. What are the rest of her plans? She was warm. Maybe she left smoke signal. All right. You're getting too stubborn. Put away the gun, Dunlap. You can only use one arm. I'll clean the bases with this index finger. Pick a spot before. Hey, don't clutter up the floor now, Dunlap. We've got company. Hey, what's this? The wrong room? Claire said we'd be alone. We are. Just the three of us. Who's he, Madero? What are you talking about? Claire told me to come here. She told me to wait for her. Look, fella, save your lip for another chorus. Just tell me where she left you. I don't feel so good. She was at the downbeat club. She was helping me put my sacks away. I 
I just came up here to wait. You're going to be alone. All right, fella. I'm cutting down the crowd. You're with Madero now. I'm leaving. Yeah, I, I'm going home, too. I feel sick. I'm going home. You'll never make it on your knees. What's the matter? I don't know. I, I guess I gave the new horn too big a ride tonight. I got a weak heart. Your eyes aren't too strong either. You're walking right into that closet. They told me not to play so hard. Maybe I played too hard. Help me, fella. You look familiar. I seen you somewhere, huh? You, you look fuzzy. Yeah. I don't know. I, I feel sick. Someone must have slipped me something. I... I never... Oh, I... Like this before. I'm sick. Real sick. I'm... You'll never get any sicker, fella. <laughs> Overbeck was dead even before he had a chance to see if Gabriel paid his boy's scale. He hit the floor and turned over on his back, and you figured he'd cross the River Jordan with a backstroke. I got a good look at him now. His face was all twisted up like bedsheets after a nightmare, and up near his hairline, a long, thin scar ran into his scalp. Well, I didn't know what killed Overbeck, but whatever it was, he didn't get two weeks' notice. I figured if homicide caught me here, I'd get my walking papers, too, right down to the last 20 feet. I started for the door, but Warchick opened it for me. He looked at the body and went over to me. You on a spree, Madero? If you're footing the bill, Warchick. The state will from now on. Now tell me about the guy on the floor. He's dead. Must have had parents. What's his name? Bud Overbeck. He was a musician at the Downbeat Club. Yeah. Tell me some more. Roll him, Warchick. Maybe he's got a diary. All right. Here's his wallet. All right, Madero. How long you been here? Why? The wallet's empty. Well, that's too bad. Your girlfriend's going to have to get along in last week's presents. I trail a guy named Dunlap up to this apartment, and I find you and a dead body. Now, there's a tie any way you look at it. Mm-hmm. That is what happened. I don't know, Warchek. I didn't see the picture. I just tagged by for the end. Mm-hmm. Must have been a sad one. I think he's poisoned. I don't like the look in his eyes. Get the girl who put it there. Well, just give me a hint. Huh? Overbeck was playing caveman with Claire Underwood before he came up here. What does that give him besides hair? Maybe a Mickey. When I left, she was warming up an argument for his saxophone. She got it? She didn't. Dunlap's losing man hours. He just walked out here, and I think she's on his list. Yeah. I'm beginning to get an idea now myself. Does it hurt? You and the Underwood girl are running some kind of a racket for that saxophone. She left you behind the front for her. You haven't seen her, Warchick. She doesn't need that kind of help. But you will when I get through checking. Still got a few calls to make, and I want the lab to work over the body. By then, I'll have enough to come back and hold you, Madero. You couldn't hold a lap dog with a suction pump. All right, big shot. I'll go a long way to get you for this. A long way. You got the drag, Warchick. Yeah. It's going to slow you down a little. Warchek wanted to mother the body until the coroner came, and when I left, he was squeezing himself into a chair. He fit tighter than a whale in a crib. Well, you can word it any way you like, but the big riddle was that saxophone. Claire had it, and Dunlap wanted it, and a couple of guys died for it. My only alibi was Dunlap, but you might as well ask Khan to hold still for Lewis. I buzzed back to the office, but there was no message from Father Leahy. So I stared out the window for a while, wondering how to bake a cake with a dynamite charge when the phone rang. Yeah. Hello, Johnny. This is Father Leahy. What'd you find out, Father? It's not pleasant, Johnny. I'm down at the morgue. A lab report on Bud Overbeck just came in. He died of poisoning, huh, Father? The bitter kind. Overbeck's heart couldn't stand all that dope. Hmm? Coroner found a used saxophone reed in Overbeck's pocket. It was soaked in hop. So that's what made that saxophone so big. The grosser reeds. That's right, Johnny. Overbeck was absorbing the stuff while he played. Oh. He probably never knew what hit him. Well, what about Riser? How does he figure? Riser was making his pin money peddling dope to nightclubs. He was getting his shipments from Mexico. 
How did Claire and Dunlap figure? There were a couple of partners who wanted to ease out Riser and go into business for themselves. The idea must have gone to Claire's head. She's doing a solo now, and Dunlap thinks she has the sacks. Warcheck feels the same way about you, Johnny. He's out to tag you for everything. He's smarter than that. I don't know him that well. But it adds up in his book because he thinks you're leaving town. Hmm? Someone's booked a passage on the 2 a.m. plane from Mexico this morning in the name of Jay Madero. I'm being jockeyed, Father. It's either Claire or Dunlap. They're both as black as sin. Maybe so, but Warcheck still thinks you're the dark horse. Up until now, it was like trying to sell a toupee to a bald-headed eagle. But when the turn comes, everything happens in a hurry, and you began breaking more records than a disc jockey with a hangover. If Father Leahy was right, Clara Dunlap had enough dreams in that saxophone to start a waltz contest, and I knew if they both got out of town, Warcheck would be around to tag me for the last dance. So I got out to Mills Field, and out on the far end of the strip, a twin-engine plane was warming up. Clara was standing with her back toward me, and even from here, you could see what a stiff tailwind could do to a landing gear. When she saw me, she raised her eyebrows and figured her temperature was even higher. Sorry I had to borrow your name, Johnny. You're too small for it, baby. I got a big ego. And that gun bolsters it, huh? That's my story. Well, tell it to homicide. They'll take a nibble on either you or Dunlap. Better throw him Dunlap. I got a date in Mexico City. It's a blind one, baby. You're going in the wrong direction. Larry, what are you doing here? I thought you... I want those reeds, baby. You'll be peddling pencils when I'm through with you. I'll leave the sides, too, baby. I'll be lonely. You won't need that kind of music where you're going, Larry. You're the ones that talk, baby. I trusted you. We were going to do this together. I trusted you. We all make mistakes. You got the short end. I'll stretch it a little. You got another chance. Let's team up again. Sorry, Larry. I'm crowding you out. You only think so. Now get out of my way. I got to make the plane. Make a grave first. I want that stuff. I won't miss again. Stay away, Larry. Put up a sign. Yeah. You missed again. Give me the gun. No, I'm selfish. I'll hold on. Pull him off me, Madera. Pull him off. There's a lot. All right, baby. You you run out of chances. It's my turn now. No. Please, Larry. Put the gun away. You win. I'll split it with you now. You win. Honest, Larry, you win. Just to show you I agree. You're through, guy. Drop the gun. Yeah. Well, what are the odds on my getting away in that plane? 70-30, maybe. Uh, things are too tough at 50-50. Come on, I'll ride downtown with you. Dunlap told the whole story down at headquarters. It seems that Riser, Claire, and he were buying dope from Mexico and peddling it here in the form of soaked-up reeds. Riser was contact man in Mexico, but the only way they knew him down there was by his black saxophone. Claire and Dunlap decided to narrow the profits down to two by shooting Riser and taking over. Claire used the gun, and, well, that started her to thinking that she could do even better with a single act. She needed that black sax, though. Riser got wind of it and hid the sacks with the reeds in the basement. His landlady found it after he was tumbled and sold it to that auction house. And Claire had me buy it and followed me back to the office where she tried to peg down Dunlap. The sack she took turned out to be a phony because the auctioneer had already sold the black one to Bud Overbeck. The track was switched to him, but not soon enough. Overbeck didn't know the reeds were loaded, and after an all-night jam session, he folded up with a heart attack. Well, Warcheck asked only one question. Wasn't it tough luck for an innocent guy like Overbeck? I don't know. At least there was one time he played right out of this world.
Johnny Madero, Pier 23, starring Jack Webb as Johnny Madero, has been presented by the Mutual Network. Johnny Madero is written by Herb Margulis and Lou Morheim. Gail Gordon played Father Light Leahy. And Bill Conrad played Inspector Warcheck of Homicide. Others in the cast were Helene Burke, Bob Holton, Herb Butterfield, Irvin Lee, and Herb Rollinson. Original music was composed and conducted by Harry Zimmerman, and the entire production was directed by Nat Wolfe. We invite you to listen again next week over most of these stations when Mutual presents another adventure in the life of Johnny Madero, Pier 23. Tony Lafrano speaking. This program came to you from Hollywood. This is the Mutual Broadcasting System. Another mystery on Mystery Radio XXX. Mr. District Attorney, starring David Bryan. Mr. District Attorney, champion of the people, defender of truth, guardian of our fundamental rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. It shall be my duty as district attorney not only to prosecute to the limit of the law all persons accused of crimes perpetrated within this county, but to defend with equal vigor the rights and privileges of all its citizens. This is David Bryan. In a moment, we'll bring you another case from the files of Mr. District Attorney. But first, a word from our sponsor. And now, here is our star, David Bryan, as Paul Garrett, Mr. District Attorney. As district attorney for this county, it's my job to prevent crimes as well as solve them. But sometimes you can't prevent them. Sometimes you can only pick up the trail after the violence has begun. In this case, it began 18 hours before the first police report reached my office. All right, stop the car. Stop the car, I said. Ellie, put that gun away. Ellie. Shut up, Grandpa. Come on, pull up right here. Ellie, don't be stupid. Take the gag out of his mouth. Give the man a chance. You can't... Why? Would he give us a chance? Look at him. Look at his eyes bug out. He thought he knew all about us. Well, here's something he didn't know. Ellis, you can't kill a man in cold blood. No? Watch. See, Grandpa? See how easy it is? I knew you were a cheap little no-good punk, Ellis, but I didn't think that you were a murderer. Come on, come on, let's dump him out of here. Here, I got his wallet. One thing I hate, Ellis, is to kill her. I hate killers. Now, look, Grandpa, 
You're in this up to your lower plate. Now, come on, give me a hand. Grab his ankles. Come on, come on, will you? Okay. Swing his feet up. I'll dump him right here. These high weeds. Uh, you, you think the law won't find him here? Sure, they'll find him. But let them try to find us. Come on, shove. There. Pleasant dreams, Mr. Hicks. Okay, shove over, Grandpa. I'll drive back. I hate killers, Ellie. I hate killers. I hate killers, too. They're easy to hate when it's your job to study their handiwork and track them down. Harrington and I picked up the tracks on this case in the county morgue. Twenty-two years' service in this place still gives me the willies. You too, Chief? Sure does. This one, Harrington? Uh, next one. Well, let's take a look. Hmm. Yeah. Three shots at close range. Like maybe he was looking right down the muzzle of the gun. Somebody else's gun. Is he a John Doe? Yeah, he was until an hour ago. His wife identified him. His name is Hicks. Alfred Hicks. He's an insurance investigator. Uh, he was, I mean. Well, what company? Globe, I think. Yeah, that's what Lieutenant Padway said. Globe Casualty Company. I asked Miss Miller to call him and find out what claim Hicks was working on. I'm good. Where was the body found? Mm, in a vacant lot behind a motel way out on South Street. No identification on him at all. His wife called the cops when he didn't come home last night. Padway and Homicide brought it down here for a look, and uh, that's what she saw. Harrington, go on over to Homicide and find out what Lieutenant Padway's learned from Mrs. Hicks. I'll call the office and see if Miss Miller's learned anything from the insurance company. Okay, Chief. We'll see you later. Do you mind if I use this phone? Thanks. District Attorney's Office. Hello, Miss Miller. Oh, Mr. Garrett, we've been waiting to hear from you. I've just been talking to the chief investigator at Globe Casualty. Well, what did you learn? Well, he said Alfred Hicks had been assigned to a stolen car claim. A big stolen car claim, incidentally. Oh? How big? An auto carrier loaded with four new sedans was hijacked about 14 miles from the factory. Do we have a report on that? We do now. It's on your desk. Fine. Mr. Hicks had been checking the want ads for any slightly used cars that might be for sale. His last call had been at the Sleep Easy Motel on South Street. Well, that was his last call, all right. He was seeing a private party named Thompson. Did you call the motel? Yes, sir. There was a Mr. and a Mrs. Thompson. They checked out about seven last night. Mm, that figures. Look, if Harrington calls in before I get back to the office, send him over to the Sleep Easy Motel. Yes, sir. Tell him to get a description of the Thompsons and any leads on where they might be. I'll see you in about 20 minutes. Four cars on the trailer now, Arma. Okay, 
Madam Press, will you, Grandpa? Hello? Hello? Turn it off, I said. I heard you, Sonny. I heard you. About time. Yeah, about time. Sure, yeah. Hello? Hello, Ellie? Yeah. This is Irma, dear. I know, I know. What's up? A low just left the woodside. Three sedans and a convertible. How long ago? About 20 minutes. Ellie, I wish you'd forget about this one. It's it's too soon after the last job. Look, Irma, will you forget it? I know what I'm doing. But you promised me faithfully that there wouldn't be any more... I'll see you tonight. Now, what are you looking at, Grandpa? The loving young husband hangs up on his wife. Why don't you mind your own business, huh? Irma is my business. She's my granddaughter. And my wife. And if I'd had my say about her marrying you... You didn't have any say. You were doing time, remember? Yeah, I was doing time, all right. But I'd done my time. And anyway, I was up on a good, honest forgery rap, not murder. Shut up! Bad enough, Irma's married to a car thief. How'd she like it if she knowed you were the killer, too? Shut up, I said. Easy, sonny, easy. I ain't afraid of that gun of yours. I already messed up my life. I ain't got much left to lose, except... Uh, maybe Irma. Yeah. Listen, Grandpa... A truck left the plant 20 minutes ago for Woodside. We got about an hour and a half to meet it. Let's get going. Not me, Sonny. What do you mean, not you? I told you before, Ellie, that gun don't scare me. I got nothing left to lose. Except Irma. Yeah, except... You know, Ellie, I really believe you'd do it to her, too. I really believe it. You coming with me or not? Yeah. Yeah, I'm coming. You want this last bench of pink slips? Yeah. And run them off yourself. We got enough time. The truck should be here. You make the decision, Sonny. It's your deal, all of it. You print the slips. You make the phony license plates. You plan the hijacking. You do the killing. Okay, this is the spot. The auto carrier's just coming over that hill. Think you can drive this truck, Grandpa? I drove it last time, didn't I? Yeah. But I paid a lot of loot for this wagon, and it's helped me get a lot more. I'm sentimental about it. <laughs> I didn't think you could be sentimental about anything. Here comes our sucker. Things always happen after the sun goes down, it seems. It's the rear axle. Uh, let's take a look here. Man, looks all right to me. Maybe it just... Hey! Okay, Grandpa, you drive this one. I'll drive his. What are you going to do with that driver, Ellie? Don't worry, I'll take care of him. Get going. Go on, Grandpa, move, will you? Go on! Farrington check in yet? Yes, sir. I'm typing up his report now. He's in your office. Good. 
Yes, Chief. Hi. How did you make out, Arrington? Well, I got kind of a fake description of the Thompsons, if that's what their name is. I gave it to Miss Miller. The guy is young, early 20s, curly hair, nervous, smokes a lot. Girl is the same age, about. Has one of them new-style haircuts all over her head, you know? Reddish hair. Kind of pretty from what the motel guy said, but you know how motel guys are. Aren't they, all right? Uh, one thing he said, though, he said there was an old guy with the Thompsons. Uh, seemed to be a relative, like a grandfather or something. Excuse me. Yes? Did you order the morning papers, Mr. Garrett? Oh, yes. Will you bring them in, Miss Miller? All of them? Yes, please, all of them. Why the papers, Chief? You cleaning out bird cages or something? You and I are going to check the one ads. One ads? Another auto carrier was hijacked last night. No kidding. That makes two. Yeah, two. From the same assembly plant. Four brand new cars on it. Two hijackings, two murders. Two murders? The driver of the auto carrier. He was found on the highway last night. Harrington, you and I are going to check the ads for slightly used automobiles. Just the way that insurance investigator did. Only he ended up in the morgue. Here are the papers, Mr. Garrett. Oh, thank you. Well, Harrington, I wonder where we'll end up. Mr. District Attorney. Two auto carriers had been hijacked. Eight brand new cars had been stolen. And two men had been murdered in cold blood. For three days, Harrington and I and other members of my staff tracked down every lead, including the ads for slightly used cars. No luck. Three days. Four days. Five days. Somewhere in this teeming city, our killer was still free. Free to kill again. Ellie, I wish you'd stop that pacing. Ellie, please... Your wife's talking to you, Sonny. I heard her. Ellie, will you stop? Stop what? Stop this. Stop that. Stop the car deal. Stop the phony licenses. Stop living, why don't you tell me? Now, there's an interesting idea. You shut up. I've taken enough from you. Ellie. Uh, Ellie, what's wrong with you? Oh, you know, Irma. This is a big job. We still got two cars left over from the last job. And so far all week, we only got one call about our ad. An old maid school teacher didn't even have her driver's license yet. Oh, I knew you shouldn't have pulled this job. I didn't even know about the first one until after it was done. There's a lot you don't know, honey. Shut up, Grandpa. Ellie, you promised me there wouldn't be any more. I only helped on this one because you promised oh, me you'd stop. Will you? No. No, I won't forget it. You won't let me. I won't let you. No. You're so tense and nervous. What do you expect? Hot cars stashed away all over town and us holed up in this flea bag motel waiting for one ads to pay off. Maybe we should have stayed at the sleep easy. Lots of action there. It's more than that, Ellie. It's the way you talk, the way you look. You look so cold and hard, like... Well, like a... A real... Like a real What? Go on, say it. Like a real crook, she means. Or even a killer. I told you to keep your big mouth shut up. Ellie, stop it. I've taken all from this old man is going to give. Ellie, put down that gun. Ellie. Ellie, that gun, where'd you get it? Ellie. Give me, Irma. 
Just see that this grandfather of yours doesn't loss up this whole deal. I don't trust him. Yeah? Uh, hi. You the party running the ad for the slightly used car? Oh. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm the party. I, Oh, uh, uh that's your missus in there? Uh, yeah, yeah, the, the, the car's out here. Uh, my name's Harris, Joe Harris, Mr., uh... Johnson. Uh, that's Mrs. Johnson. How do you do? I am Mrs. Johnson. And this gentleman? Uh, uh Mr. McCabe, my wife's grandfather. Howdy. Yeah, I'm glad to know you, Mr. McCabe. McCabe, eh? Oh, Mr. McCabe isn't feeling so good. Uh, my wife has to take care of him. Oh, that a fact. Well, I have a little foot trouble myself, right? Yeah, well, the, uh, the car's right over here. Oh, not bad. Not bad at all. Practically brand new. Hasn't even been all broken in yet. Just a few hundred miles on it. See? Yep. That's what this speedometer says, all right. Hey, these tires are in good shape, too, ain't they? I told you. Not even broken in yet. Uh, why are you selling it, Mr. Johnson? Hmm? Oh, you know, I, uh, I bit off more than I can chew. I need the cash. Sometimes a guy gets in over his head. Yeah, sometimes they do. Uh, you mind if I look under the hood? Go to it. Hey, that motor is clean, all right. Real clean. Almost like it wasn't even used. I told you. If it was any newer, you'd have to pay new car prices. Best one I've seen today. How much? Two thousand flat. Eighteen hundred? I'm interested. Two thousand. Take a ride in it and you'll see why. All right, I'll tell you what. I'll go home and get the missus. Then we'll let her drive it. If she likes it, I'll go get the two grand. Okay? Uh, well, you know, a car like this won't last long, and that ad brings in a lot of calls. Okay, I'll give you a deposit. I'll hold it for an hour or so. Twenty-five, all right? Well, uh, no longer than an hour. It's all the cash I got on me. Uh, mind giving me a receipt? Hmm? Oh, no, not at all. Uh, here, this envelope is good enough. It's only for an hour. Okay. Hey, uh... Now, you won't be more than an hour, will you? Oh, don't worry. I don't want to lose a deal like this. I'll get the wife and see you before an hour, maybe. This your car? Yeah. I'll sure be glad to get rid of this clunk. See you. This motor number down, Chief, before I forget it. Okay. 356P7338. You got it? Got it. Why don't I check it on the motor numbers of the stolen cars? How about a raise and pay? It matches. 356P733. It matches, all right. Where did you find it? Thompson's name is Johnson now. Young fellow in his early 20s, curly hair. That's a pretty wife with him, reddish hair. And an old geezer supposed to be a grandfather. Where are they, Arjun? The Stateside Motel on Highway 99 near Academy Street. I gave him 25 bucks in marked bills to hold the car for an hour. All right, we'll be down there in about 25 minutes. I'll get Lieutenant Padway and some men. You keep your eye on the place and see if they don't check out all of a sudden. That's the Stateside Motel, uh, Highway 99 near Academy Street, right? Right, Chief. 
They're in cabin number three. And tell Padway not to use the sirens. Okay. Good luck. Did you hear all that, Miss Miller? Yes, sir. I'll call homicide. Tell Padway I'll meet him in front of the building. Yes, sir. hooked a sucker. He... Hey, where's the old man? He said he was hungry. I told you to watch him. I told you. For Pete's sake, Gilly. Grandpa just went to get us some sandwiches. When? When? Why, you were talking to that man. And... Wait. Let go of my arm. Why'd you let him go? I told you not to let him go. I told you to watch him. Gilly, stop it. You... Let me go. You know what I think? I think you're going crazy. I think you're gone right out of your head. Why should you be so scared of Grandpa? What did he ever do for you to be scared of? Why should you be so scared of everybody and, and everything? Why, Ellie? Why should you be so... Both of you. You and that old man. You have to turn me in so you can take my... That's why you let the old guy go, so he can call the cops. Get away from the door. No! Get away from the door. I'm so hungry. I'm... Come on, Get away from the door, I said. You are a killer, aren't you? My grandpa said you're a real killer. Only I didn't believe it. I didn't believe you could be that rotten and crazy. Mr. Johnson, guess I got back a little early, huh? Ah, uh, yeah, 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 Harris, uh, you said about uh, an hour. Well, I figured it this way. On the way home, I said to myself, why don't I buy the car and surprise the little woman? That'll keep her happy and me happy and... What are you staring at? That... that police car out there. Police car? Oh, that's probably just... A... two of them. He's a killer, mister! He's got a gun! Are you... Get in here. Get in fast. That won't help you, Buster. Get in, I said. You're a cop, ain't you? Ain't you? What'd you expect, dancing girls? See, I brought some friends. All right, Johnson, or whatever your name is. Open up. Watch your chief. He's going to shoot. That won't help you one bit, chum. We've got more men, more guns, and more patience than you have. Give up, Billy. Please. Please give up. Please. Go on and shoot, coppers. I got my wife and one of your men in here with me. If I get it, they get it. Now we just wait and see. It's no use, Ellie. Give up. Please. All right, you two. Get over there, away from the window. Go on. Over against that wall. Both of you. Okay, now stay there. If you try to separate, I'll kill you. Hey, Johnson! How do we know our man hasn't gotten it already? Not a word from either one of you. Not a word. Prove he's alive, Johnson, or we'll blow that cabin sky high. We mean it, Johnson. Ellie, let him talk. Let him say something. Okay, cop. Tell those boy scouts you're still alive. It's all right, Chief. I'm right here and so is his wife. 
But you better do like he says, Chief, because he's armed and he's dangerous. All right, all right, that's enough. Hey, what the... What are you... Thanks for the chance. My turn now. Hey, let go. Let go, my arm. Drop it. That's a good boy. Oh, come on, killer. Your wife will open the door and you'll walk through it. Some pals, you've got cover. They know you're in here, but they shoot anyway. Sure. Why do you think they wanted to hear me talk? They could tell where I was so they could shoot where I wasn't. Just enough to get you off guard. You all right, Harrington? Yeah. Yeah, I'm okay, Chief. Here's our gun-happy friend. What? What are you going to do with him? Well, let the courts decide that. You're his wife? Yes. I imagine you're involved in all this, too. Yes. Yes, I am. I hope you'll be willing to tell us about it. She don't have to tell you a thing. She's my wife. She can't testify against me. No, but I sure can, Ellie. I can tell plenty. That's the grandfather, Chief. I can tell you gentlemen all you want to know about this cheap, two-bit murdering little punk. He's in this, too. He's in it up to his dirty old neck. I told you a hundred times, Sonny, I got nothing left to lose. I'd like to do one decent service to the world while I still got the chance. Grandpa, no, no. Sorry, Irma, honey, but putting Alice away is it. I hate killers. Join us again next time on Mystery Radio X.